0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns just to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a stranger's dream rather primitive. It's a dream that began to reveal the passing note of the song, the glimpse of the ship being seen. Thinking Actually, you're the only one of the two of us who's been on another podcast. Really? Uh huh. What other podcast was on? I don't know. You didn't tell me much about it. <laughs> uh actually i was on out of one were pretty tight-lipped about your cheating
1: <laughs> dude i just don't want to get jealous you know? yeah <laughs> well, no, i was
0: i was jealous don't worry
1: also i were on a, a couples podcast a long time ago maybe that was it but i don't think they ever aired it uh-huh. oh and then i was also another one i don't know if that one got aired either <laughs> <laughs> two other podcasts wow yeah it's this is it one of the guys uh uh he was like beginner facebooker facebooker <laughs> facebooker <laughs> uh-huh. and uh he just
0: always came to the what copy, does that copy mean shop? a beginner facebooker
1: well like he was like one of the top or in the top
0: 100 of the employees like i think 35 or something oh like not like he was just starting facebook <clears throat> he started with facebook <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah gotcha all like
1: right well here we are james also too cheers Man, i'm just cheating on y'all over. to the place. shores
0: <laughs> to the shores <laughs> i think james's podcast that's what i was thinking about mm-hmm. yeah but that never aired also. I've been on three well, unaired we podcasts. Know, we know how hard it is to publish these podcast episodes. It's the so truth. I think we can be sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But We're on like 126 right now. We That's are freaking crazy. It's a lot. Are we up to date on, on releasing them? We are. We're caught Damn. up. Damn. Yeah.
0: You're
1: fucking awesome.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> I released one episode a day for like a week or mm-hmm. two weeks. Maybe. I think we were 10 episodes behind. Yeah. So we're all caught up, baby. So once a week, you're on out
1: but I'll be gone until we get backed up again. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Cool. So we got some criteria for this episode. That's right.
0: (laughs) We set goals and laid out some criteria. Uh Yeah. Um, well, I think we want to talk a little bit about truth and speech and lying Mm -hmm. and a little bit about goal setting. Um, yeah. So let's do it. Let's do it. Come here, Lucas, ready to be riled. <laughs> He's been so calm. <clears throat> so we're going to start with this quote. This is from Frederick Beekner. Um, it's really good about the gift of human speech. So I'll, I'll read this, and then we can share some thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is perhaps nothing that so marks us as human as the gift of speech. Who knows to what degree and in what ways animals have the power to communicate with one another, but to all appearances, it is only a shadow of ours. By speaking, we can reveal the hiddenness of thought. We can express the subtlest as well as the most devastating of emotions. We can heal, we can make poems, we can pray. All of which is to say, we can speak truth, the truth of what it is to be ourselves, to be with each other, to be in the world. And such speaking as that is close to what being human is all about. Hmm. What makes lying an evil is not only that the world is deceived by it, but that we are dehumanized by it. Who who is that by? Frederick Piekner. Frederick Piekner. Mm -hmm. Originally published in Willful Wishful Thinking, and later in a book called Beyond Words. Hmm. It was really... Beautiful thoughts that I think tie into a couple topics that you and I tend to circle back to quite often. Hmm. Um, and actually, I think one of the reasons we do this podcast is because the simple act of speaking, even when you're not speaking well, is an exercise in telling the truth
2: hmm.
0: and simultaneously an exercise in discovering the truth. And so to engage in dialogue is to pursue truth. I think it's why we enjoy doing this so much. And we do it even when we don't release the episodes, you know? (laughs) Yeah. We do it with no. Like, you know, for the past two years, we've really thought almost none about like marketing this or caring whether or not it grows or what our listener count is. Mm-hmm. Um, we just do it because we like doing it. And I think that's something that's at the core of it. I think also we, we see the benefit of it is the <clears throat> the
1: times we, I mean, just us getting together in general, we do this outside of the podcast, but um, it's really helped us to better formulate what we think and actually see what we're thinking. You mm-hmm. know, I think there's, there's a lot of discovery that we do on the podcast that, you know, we're working through ideas and, and concepts and also the questions we have about what is going on in the world and something about speaking and clarifying your thoughts and painting a more, uh, precise picture of, of what you actually, what you actually think. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I always think of like, you know, a kindergartner paints a certain picture, you know, and then somebody in, Middle school, you know, usually is a little bit more detailed oriented, you know, has more content or meaning to it. I think that's something that we have to practice is, is getting to the detail and the, and the fine
0: points of what we're actually thinking. Yeah. I like the way Beekner put it. Um, Where is it? By speaking, we can reveal the hiddenness of thought. Mm. I think you have to speak and likely have to, I mean, you can do it through writing and and through speaking out loud alone, but I think it's much more effective in dialogue with another person. Like, you know that you have thoughts that are hidden to you. You can feel them, you know, of their existence, but you don't know exactly what they are. They're more of a feeling or more of an intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be difficult to know what they are. And it's by the act of speaking and dialoguing and the refinement of your speech as you struggle with it and wrestle with it that you discover what those thoughts are. And that's something like like he says, um, all of which is to say we can speak truth. You know, you have a thought, you don't know what it is. You speak, you learn about it. You speak truth that you don't know yet. Mm-hmm
1: as you were saying that I kind of got two two different pictures. Uh, one was <clears throat> the idea of action. You know, we act in the world and sometimes we later understand what we were doing in acting. And other times we act very purposefully by some sort of laid out plan that we had thought of and, and sounded, sounded good. So it seems like there's something with, at some point there needs to be, um, clarity brought to your action you know or clarity to action because if you if you're acting in the world and you don't reflect and bring uh, speech to that then you kind of don't know what you're doing Hmm. there's something about the clarity of speech that either comes prior or, or post action I mean action I think is the most important thing but I think it's insufficient without some sort of Understanding and usually that comes through discussion and dialogue and uh, observation of either past or what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But that all happens in the dialogue because we know we all know the idea of like just hot air, someone just like you know, or self righteousness or or whatever it is, where you're just speaking but there's no action Mm -hmm. involved. And so, I think when you thought when you were saying like when you were saying action and truth, I think that when I, when I hear you say truth, I also hear action because if something is true, then it it means nothing unless it's in action. Hmm.
0: Does that make sense? Maybe. Hmm. Do you think that something can be true and not be in action? Not be enacted
1: Yes, at the detriment or or of the of the individual, I feel like we need to work with some examples here, yeah, okay, well, I'm just saying you know if you're talking about, hey, it'd be good to help other people and give to the poor, but if you don't do that yourself, that's just hot air. It's like, hmm. do you really believe that like is that that's true? It would but, be true if someone else did it, yeah. But if you're not doing it yourself, or something that's not, there's just not something true in your statement. It's it's something that, because that's why I think you can kind of that's become what makes from a, you a hypocrite. Mm-hmm, you can come up with two different. You can speak that truth, but that should lead you to action. You know, or you know, you see you you're in that you're in the action of it, and then you later reflect on that action. But there there's something that is makes there has, there has to be some sort of tangible result from speech. It's just, I, I would almost say the same thing with reason. Well, now let's not go there. Um, cause I, again, it's, it's, I think of, uh, you know, let was just talking about like, you know, the ivory tower aspect of things where you kind of just sit in your room and you, you think about things all the time and you talk about things all the time. Sort of the,
0: um, <clears throat> you know, the the philosopher who's holed up in his cottage or the monk Mm -hmm. in his monastery. Yeah. There's all sorts of, they're intellectual, but not enacting those things into the world, so they seem worthless. Mm -hmm. Not worthless, but worth less. Worthless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally. But then somebody could
1: benefit from, from them, you know, it's like there, maybe there is that aspect. They are benefiting by maybe putting out literature or essays or podcasts Mm -hmm. or, you know, so that, but that's also an action
0: though, too, in a sense. Right. Writing it down is an action. Mm -hmm. Dialoguing with someone is Mm -hmm. an action. But, okay, so even in that, so,
1: you know, let's take, I
0: don't think I can do it. So maybe we could talk for a second about why, about his final line in that quote where he says that, let me pull it back up what makes lying an evil <clears throat> is not only that the world is deceived by it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which seems self-evident that there's the deception is an evil, but also that we are dehumanized by it. Mm. And that really rang me to the core because I think <clears throat> I feel particularly disturbed in general by lies I don't like them. You know, and, excuse me. A lot of people, I mean, lying, I think, is generally considered to be a negative in the intellectual space. Like, most people would say, yeah, you shouldn't lie. But then most people lie all the time. Because lying has a functional short term benefit. Um, But it's interesting because I'm not disturbed by it simply because of the deception. And I think that this passage that quote gave me a new way to think about it, which is that it's not just deceptive. It's also dehumanizing hmm. because one of the core aspects of what it means to be human is your ability to speak your ability to, I love, uh, I think it was Brett Weinstein put it this way, but he said, we have this special capacity we can, we can, take a thought that's in our head and vibrate the airwaves and plant it in someone else's head. Hmm. That's speech. There's a, it's like a human superpower that I can share ideas with you by vibrating the air. Hmm. And through that we can, we can analyze, we can, um, ponder. We can also plan for the future We can guide the world, guide ourselves. We can do good things. Mm. And there's a very close, in my mind, a very close relationship between good things and the truth. I think that the truth is something like, if everything was as good as it could be, that would be the truth. Mm. And we have an active role in transforming things into that because we can speak and we can plan with one another and we can say, you know, we can wake up in the morning and say, here's what we want to do today. Here's what we imagine happening. If things were good Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and here's what we imagine things, what we would imagine things would be like if things weren't went badly. So let's do the good things and not the bad things Hmm. so that the day is good. And then we can we can go and do that. Yeah. And that's what makes us human. You know, unlike animals, I think about Luca, my dog, who's in here whining every once in a while. Um, you know, I think he has wants and desires. Mm-hmm. And he has methods for communicating those to me, whether it's the whines or the barks or you know the scratches at the door it's like i know what he's wanting Mm -hmm. but he doesn't have the ability to manifest a desired future yeah and he doesn't have that ability because he uh, you know maybe it's because he can't speak he can't reveal the hiddenness of his thoughts to himself or to others And so he can't act in the world in a way that's transforming the world to his own desires. That's reserved for us humans. That's the superpower we have. And when we lie, when we use our speech to make things not what they are or what they could be, but something else to our own selfish end, we dehumanize ourselves. Hmm. It's like we, we strip ourselves of that superpower. Or we use that superpower for something that it's not designed for which kind of makes sense you
1: you know you think of um just relationships in general, uh, you know someone who is a liar, you know beyond just maybe a lie here and there, a white lie kind of thing, but you don't want to be around that person like that's something that is not you don't feel safe around that person. You don't know how to engage or to, to be in a relationship with mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. because you don't know what is true. And I think that's the part when you think of relationships that you are more intimate with um, in friendship or partner or, or whatever it might be, it's, there's something that, that, there's something that's true that both of you understand and gravitate
0: towards. Um, that's communicated. Well, I think anytime you interact with somebody, there's a tacit agreement between the two of you Mm -hmm. that you want good things. Mm -hmm. And when you interact repeatedly with a sociopath, Mm. let's say in the extreme, you know, someone who you know to be a liar, Mm -hmm. they have broken that tacit agreement and it's almost like there isn't any reason to interact with that person mm-hmm. because you don't have a shared goal. Yeah. And to the extent that you have your own goals, you know that that person is not is is disruptive to your own goals. Mm-hmm. And those goals could be as simple as trying to order a cup of coffee. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be some five-year plan. It's <laughs> like, you know, I'm just trying to get up and And go to the shop and order my coffee and get on to work. Someone who isn't in agreement with you that that's a good thing to do. Well, maybe say it this way. Those around you are in alignment with you that that's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so you can have an interaction with them and have conversation with them that, that springs out of that activity that's a good conversation, Mm -hmm. but a person who's going to lie to you about, you know, maybe it's the price of the cup of coffee or the, the contents of the cup or, you know, um, whether or not your ex is there, I don't know. I'm like making up (laughs) weird shit, but, um, that breaks that whole, that whole agreement. It's something as you're saying that made me think of like,
1: uh, honor among thieves. It's like, even among thieves, there's sort of like a, an honor code, a trust. There has to be. Otherwise mm-hmm. it's too unsafe to engage in. Yeah. You can't actually de- engage in deception, decept- deception. If you don't have some sort of honor and trust and speaking honestly among other thieves. And it's sort of like this, uh, um, this union that you kind of buy into, uh, that you, you kind of, uh, even like with con artists, you know, like in order to be successful con artist, it's unless you're just acting on your own, it's like, there has to
0: be some sort of, you know, trust in that too. Totally. I was, Oh, I don't know where this comes from, but I was was listening to a clip of a guy who was interviewing a con artist and he was primarily a pickpocket. Hmm. And he was talking about and I guess he was reformed and you know, doesn't mm-hmm. pick pockets anymore or whatever. <laughs> I'm, reformed. <laughs> I'm reformed. I'm reformed. I'm reformed pickpocket. Um and he was saying that you never work alone. Mm. It's like rule number one when you pick someone's pocket is you pass it off to the next person. That way if you get caught, you don't have it. Even if they think you did something, mm. I what? I didn't do anything. I have nothing on me, you know. Yeah. So you have to work with somebody that you can trust not to betray you mm-hmm. the way you just betrayed the stranger. Which is
1: interesting because in that example, you're, it's almost kind of revealing the, the smaller, the circles it's, it's, it's sort of like when you don't speak truth in general or act in truth, you, your circle gets smaller and smaller. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't have hundred and fifty people. Like, so let's say a community, one hundred and fifty people. Uh, not all of them in are are in on the pickpocket. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like because it just doesn't work, and you, <laughs> it'd be really confusing.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard to deceive. Hmm. It's hard to deceive a lot of people at once. So it's like, the more deceptive you are, the more that you lie, it seems to me that the more you have to hmm. it's like contract a your circle of the people who know the lie. The lie, yeah. Right.
1: It's like that whole 10 times 1 does not equal 1 times 10. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can lie to uh, 10 people one time, but lying to one person 10 times
0: is harder. completely different. Yeah. It's really difficult. So... I've read that um, people who are narcissistic which I think is I don't know if you know more about this than I do but like um, psychopathic behavior is sort of like extreme narcissism Mm -hmm. and those types of people tend not to maintain relationships they tend to change friends often and that's generally because people don't tolerate being around <clears throat> don't be don't tolerate being around them because mm-hmm. they lie to them constantly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they have to find new people who trust them because we tend to implicitly trust humans, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'll trust you for a time until you've lied to me ten times, then it's like, sorry, They're calling you on it. And then they can't stay around that person anymore. And so they move on to the next group of people and the circle contracts and contracts. And once it's contracted enough, you have to find a new circle. It's probably why it's easier to be
1: deceptive in bigger cities. Cause there's a larger pool of people. Like if you live in a right. you know, small town, like everybody knows like, Oh, that's Joe. <laughs> He's the drunk on the end of
0: the corner, you know, or
1: that's yeah, Sally. I, I grew up in a,
0: just when talks small town. about people, <laughs> And it was, you didn't get away with stuff, Mm-mm. you know, cause in a small town, there's a lot of gossip. Everyone knows everyone travels really quickly. It's like, it's almost like a very healthy version of the big brother, you mm-hmm. know, in, in 1984, it's like Orwellian, but based in community <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> instead of uh, tyranny. Mm-hmm. It was kind of great in a, in a way, you know? Yeah. What's
1: something valuable about that because it actually your word and your, uh, in your speech is really valuable in that scenario because, you know, it's like, again, you know, you lie to one person 10 times. That's, that's a huge, uh, tell as far as like your reliability and trustworthiness, a small town kind of, kind of resembles that same idea because it's like that small town kind of almost resembles one person.
0: Well, that's interesting. So thought arise arose in my mind, as you were saying that, like, why is it important to be trustworthy? Hmm. We all sort of know that. I think we'd all agree that it is important to be trustworthy, but why is that? And it seems like it ties back to this idea that our, our superpower is to speak Mm -hmm. and with our speech, we can plan with our plan we can transform the world into something better. And if you're not trustworthy, then all that's for naught. Mm -hmm. So, so why speak? It's, it's dehumanizing. If Mm you, if I, if I can't trust you, then my interactions with you dehumanize me.
1: Well, it's interesting. It's almost the same thing. It's the, I can come back to action in this, in the same scenario. You know, you act in the world and then you talk about it, you know, Hey, that really hurt my feelings. And you're like, well, I didn't mean to do that. And not, that's a good excuse for one time, you know, but by a 10th time you're like, well, no, if you didn't mean to do it, this is a 10th time you've done that to mm-hmm. me. You just slapped me in the face. Like, why, why did you do I that? I have <laughs> a, I have
0: a really vivid memory when I was a kid, um, of my parents having a fight hmm. And my dad saying to my mom, I didn't mean that. Mm-hmm. And my mom rebuking him and saying something like, of course you meant that. You said it. Mm-hmm. And I, even as a young kid, I sort of understood what she meant. And I think what she meant was, if you think you didn't mean that, then you don't know yourself very well. Mm-hmm. Your The hiddenness of your thoughts has deceived you Mm. and you need to think more about what you did mean because maybe you did mean it and you didn't know that you meant it Mm. and if you really didn't mean it then you're not very smart because (laughs) you didn't say what you meant Mm -hmm. so you know what's the hang up here Mm -hmm. either way you're the deficient one (laughs) you know and all those are my words this is what I took from this this thing and maybe it's you know somehow what i have thought about it over the years but i think that is really true like i think every time i say to someone oh i didn't mean that i feel very weak Hmm. and very deficient because like i said well if i didn't mean it then what did i mean Hmm. and i'm deficient in my speech or maybe i meant it and i didn't know that i meant it and i'm discovering something about myself which means i don't know myself very well
1: Which is true a lot of the time. I mean, that's something that that's where we're negotiating in this world with people is here's what I did. Here's what I thought I did. And here's what it meant to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then we, we look at that and examine that whether consciously or unconsciously. And we, we kind of adjust our actions accordingly. And then we are able to verbalize that more clearly and maybe next time it's like, you know what? Yeah. When I was said that, I was like, actually that's kind of passive aggressive, you know, and you can kind of maybe recognize that self, that stuff in yourself sooner by verbalizing and, and sort of observing like how, how we are acting in the world. Um, you know, that's something that <clears throat> I think of like politicians, you know, the, the, it's, there's something that, you know, it'd be great if everybody just did whatever the politician told them to do. Like the politician would really love that, you know, or the, <laughs> or the, well, that uh, wouldn't be a politician. It would be a king dictator. or a dictator. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is, I think, especially in our democracy is like, you're supposed to convince people and that's something that's really hard mm. to do. Um, you know, and that l- takes speech that takes speech because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a am not a am not i do not know a lot about. A lot of the topics that are going on in our country you know i, I just it's i'm not capable of it like, right what's going on with agriculture you know what are the arguments in agriculture i have right. no i have no clue you know uh or around nuclear energy you know i don't know the specifics of that i need someone to convince me or to tell me hmm. what they think is the best way to go and there's something that in our society especially in a democracy or a republic it's it's something that it's the job of the politician to communicate clearly in a way that convinces you that this is the best way forward now there what kind of what we're talking about there is deceit and there's sort there's arrogance and and um narcissism in, in all this like just telling people what they need to hear in order to be elected but that's Again, that's, that's that's a false, a falsity, you know? And I think that's something that a lot of us over the last, specifically two or three years, um, I think are a lot more sensitive to. It's like, what is true? Like I saw just recently, like the, was it New Zealand? The lady was telling, it's like, we are going to tell you the truth. Don't listen to anybody else. Basically, we are the arbitrators of truth. Yeah, she said, Did we you are that? your single
0: no. source of truth. Mm-hmm. If you don't hear it from us, it's not true. See, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. That statement, I'm like, whoa. That's actual 1984
1: Orwellian big brother uh-huh. shit. I mean, I, I listen to <clears> you <throat> because we've had so many conversations and I, I I trust you a lot quicker than I trust most people. But I still check your work. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? It's like Yeah, you still ask for the links and the receipts. Uh-huh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but but you're a very trustworthy person too. But mm-hmm. Anytime you hear anybody say, trust me, listen to me only. It's like red flag. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. And it start should popping be. up. It should be. It's something that, you know, really what a more honest person would be like, Hey, here's what we see, you know, here's what the other side is saying, or a, this, there's a whole list of arguments that are this, and this is why we don't believe those things are correct.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we don't, we don't have all the facts, which is true. Nobody has all the facts, which we've seen with COVID. Whenever the whole Wuhan, you know, it's like that. It didn't come from the Wuhan Institute, you know, and and people were being sort of dismissed. <clears throat> and now it's okay to say that. In fact, now it's a very likely, plausible <laughs> mm-hmm. thing. So it's like, it's, so I think it's just something that we've all been sort of very overly, hopefully overly played to over the last few years. That were kind of, I, for me, anyways. I'm a lot more sensitive to someone saying. Listen to me. I know what's right. Right. <clears throat> but if you want to try to convince me, I'm totally up for that. Like, yeah, yeah, totally convince me. Right. But if I can't go and look at other sources like that is like a, uh, you know, even just, you know, Fox News has always been that way, too, It's sort of like, you know, you hear all these sort of things in the mainstream media and you're like. Well, let me get a a different perspective. I mean, for us living in Austin, it's like we hear the liberal perspective, you know, pretty... That's very common here. Mm -hmm. So it's like you really have to seek out the conservative perspective. And I think that's something you and I have done a lot more over the the last few years is like, okay, what's the conservative perspective? Because it's easy to get the liberal perspective here in Austin, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. I think it's easy for... anyone who spends a decent amount of time online to get Mm. the liberal perspective Mm -hmm. so I think the liberal liberal perspective as it pertains to politics and culture is the dominant one yeah true among um, broadcast ideas Mm -hmm. which maybe that makes sense because the political left is more about Speaking to the way things aren't. Hmm. Whereas the political right is more about preserving the way things are. Mm-hmm. So, to the extent that there is something to talk about, primarily it is on the left. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> you know, if things are relatively good, it's like there's not a lot to talk about. <laughs> like, if your position is to preserve what's there. Mm-hmm. like things are working what do you have to say about it you know and when things work they actually tend to fall out of our conscious perception and our conscious understanding Mm. you know like no one needs to know how the sewers work you know why it's because they work (laughs) you can ignore
1: them Mm -hmm. you know or we don't think about electricity until like we start having power outages and stuff like that that's something that right just not in our or
0: our worldview or mindset. Right. Yeah. So you don't like, like if you're trying to gain popularity, which politics is all about popularity, you know, you don't run on a platform and be like the electrical grid hasn't gone down in 14 months. Vote for me,
1: you know, <laughs> or 14 years or 30. It's years. like much
0: more compelling to say the electrical grid went down 14 months ago. Elect me. And that will never happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a, a much more um, dubious statement, mm-hmm. but a much more compelling one. Like, yeah, that's right. I don't care so much about when it doesn't go down. I care about when it goes down. Mm-hmm. So preservation versus change, change is the more compelling argument. But it's very, it's also a very dangerous argument. Mm. Change is inherently dangerous and, and unpredictable, like, st- stuff staying the same is predictable, mm-hmm. but also dangerous, because if we don't grow, we die. So, you need those two things in in tension with one another. Yeah. Like, you need the left to fight the right, and you need the right to fight the left. Not like, you know, well, so here's a point that I think you kind of wanted to get to, which is, like, you want them to fight, but not with... Fists and swords and guns. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, you, totally. you want, like, isn't it so much better for them to fight with their words? Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather that the better ideas won than that those with the bigger muscles or more proficient skill with weapons won. Mm hmm. Oh, I was listening to uh, Michael
1: Schulenberger. Schellenberger. Schellenberger. Yeah. Uh, he ran against uh, Newsom uh, for, in the governor election. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, were you listening to him on Rogan? Uh, no, on... Um, oh, he was on Brett Jordan... Weinstein. Oh, Brett's podcast. Yeah, cool. Brett's podcast. Anyways, it was really fascinating. Like, uh, they were talking about... I think Brett ended up speaking to this more directly, but uh, he was like, uh, so Schellenberger went on... Uh, Adam Carolla, who's also in LA and Newsom w- also went on to Adam Carolla, who's a podcast guy. And the observation that Brett was making was it was like Newsom was sticking to his talking points. And it's like, you just can't do that in an hour long conversation. You sound hollow, you mm-hmm. sound false. And cause there's not enough
0: talking points for an hour long dialogue.
1: No. Yeah. And you just sound like you're just, pounding the, the pavement with your point that you're going to keep coming back to is like pink. Okay. And then the pink, okay. Pink. I mean, you're really trying to get everyone to think of pink, you know, <laughs> like it just, you just, in the, the, that's not a conversation. Like mm-hmm. if I kept saying the same talking points over and over again, you're like, oh, okay. I don't know what you think about this. I feel like you're just an, uh, an automaton just talking to me. And I think that's the thing with, you know, you know, Joe Rogan and, and some of these podcasts is like, it really shows the, the merit of the, of the individual. If you're able to, to talk with somebody, because it's not going to be perfect. You're going to kind of make, you're going to kind of make a fool out of yourself in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit. And that's kind of a part of conversations because we're all working through this. And if you just stick to talking points is like, you might look cleaner, but you're just not real. That's not, that's not. And so I think it's easier for the 15 minute segments or the five minute segments because you stick to your talking points and there's actually probably a strategy to that. That's actually useful because that's all you have in order to get that point across. Um, but I think it's, it's been sort of bastardized and, and usurped to also just, we elect these people who are sort of, a mask of a person, you know, that we don't know who they are, what they actually think. Um, They're just told what their talking points are. And therefore that's the speech you hear from them. Hmm. And if you don't hear them in a, in a, in a conversation or a dialogue, I mean, you can go when you're at a party and you're talking with somebody,
0: you're like, Oh yeah, that guy's a douche. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) you can just sense it
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: feel it in the way that he, interacts with people, the way that he orders the drink, the way that he dances, the way that he moves from conversation to conversation. You can learn a lot about somebody by watching them.
1: Yeah. Or
0: like, <clears throat> I in mean, social yeah, situations.
1: In the social, yeah, exactly. You're like, that person's not, that's not that guys not for real. You know, that girl's not for real. Mm. Like what's going on there? What does that mean? Not for real? Well, it's like that the, there's a, it's a face they're putting on. You, you sense that that's not something that is, they're not revealing themselves to you. Hmm. They're playing a character. And, and that character doesn't have depth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Cause they haven't worked the, the, you know, the, again, it comes back down to lying. You know, it's easy to, if you're going to lie, keep it simple. <clears throat> and, and you know, the more depth you have to it, the more easier it is to get caught up in the lie. You know, if you start, you know, it's like how I think about like those CIA movies, you know, it's like, okay, here's your cover, <laughs> you know, your driver, you got to know your driver's license number, your maiden name, who you're married to kids, a dog, right. a, you know, it's like, you've got to got this, there's you a have certain, to memorize it. You have to memorize it and there's a certain depth <clears throat> and then below that depth, you, you have to be creative, but you're always trying to connect it to those right. maybe three layers that you have,
0: um, you know it's interesting it it is really impressive to watch a really good liar
2: Hmm.
0: because there is a a, it's it's an it's an exercise in storytelling oh it's like almost improv storytelling Hmm. can you keep it connected yeah can you keep this jenga tower from falling apart and when they do it Successfully, I mean, it is something to behold. It's like, that was pretty impressive, you know, that you were that creative. <laughs> you start clapping. You're like, <laughs> you're like no, this was really, well really well done.
1: You know, have you ever had that experience? Uh, keeping a lie together? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> or no, like, so, like experiencing that sort of like, as you got into the depths, you're like, well, this is not, this one's not working. Well, I guess I, I already know the answer to that question. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well I don't what's the answer to that question
0: let's just say like it's a formal relationship you had <laughs> mm, gotcha yeah um um it's just interesting like even in that there is something commendable perhaps or creative or potentially beautiful but it's like it's it's what's left of the core of something which has been pathologized mm-hmm And the interesting thing is that (coughs) being truthful is much less impressive, but it also is much easier because, well, it's easier in one way and harder in one way. It's Mm. easier to be truthful than to lie because you don't have to memorize the list Mm -hmm. of wife's name, kid's name, dog's name, address. You don't have to memorize that stuff because you could just check with reality if you're telling the truth. You know,
1: well, here's here's something kind of to push on that a little bit is I think it's also hard to tell the truth because there's a certain reality that you face that you don't know the truth. Well, yeah, and So so like somebody could like really catch you and try to use your words against you, and it's like it's like no, no, I'm I'm like coming to the truth, like I'm I'm exploring the truth, and I might like veer off, but it's 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 more of like it's a, it's a, It's the exercise of correcting you know it 's like here 's what I think, ooh that's not really what I think, and so that's not really lying, but it, it has that's why it has to happen in honest dialogue, or else it it, hmm. it can kind of be used and you find that whenever your words are used against you when you actually didn't mean it that way, well,
0: yeah, so here's a reason why you would choose to lie rather than choose to tell the truth and yeah. i I said it's easier to tell the truth in one way, but it's harder in another way. Mm -hmm. It's easier because you don't have to keep the story together. You can always, you can offload the story back into reality and you can just check with reality and to see what the truth is, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but it's harder because it keeps you in a constant state of deficit Hmm. because, you know, what does it mean to tell the truth? It means something like observing and reporting honestly. Mm -hmm. But it also means something like observing that there is a way things could be in the future that they're not now. Mm -hmm. And you don't know that. And you also don't know yourself very well and you don't know your thoughts very well. And so to tell the truth is to stumble forward blindly and stupidly Mm -hmm. because you're not going to get it right. Yeah, You're going to get it wrong and you're going to try again and you're going to get it less wrong and then less wrong and less wrong. But it's always some amount of wrong. Mm-hmm. So you're always in a position of deficit. Mm. If you tell lies, you're never in a position of deficit in relation to your lies mm. because your lies are compared. Well, with the story that they are, it's mm-hmm. like, it's all inclusive. It's like an all inclusive <laughs> resort. It's like, I'm just <laughs> going to hide out in my lies and you can't tell me. That, that I'm in a position of a deficit because, well, it's all a lie yeah. and I'll just add to the lie and then there's no longer a deficit. You know, yeah. it's like, you're the, you know, you're the problem here. <laughs> it's like my story's perfect. Uh-huh. How dare you say that I'm being dishonest? This is the yeah. way things are, you know, we're like an honest person. If you said, I don't think that's true. Like, Oh, I don't know. It, it reminds me. Yeah. Of a, and it can wreck you because mm-hmm. if you trust that person, and you respect that person. And they say that something that you, that you believe isn't, isn't possibly not true. You're like, well, shit, Mm -hmm. I've been living my life, believing this is true. And if it's possibly not true, I have a lot to rethink, which there's a, there's a
1: book called awake and not woke. And I think it's, I think it might be a Christian thing, a book or something like that. But it's just, it's, I think it's addressing the idea of like in Christianity, it's like you, you give the benefit of the doubt, you know, it's like compassion but the, there's this whole part of like, you know, if someone's coming to you and saying, hey, you know, you're a racist or you're a uh, a not a good person in some way form or fashion. It's like traditionally or, or in Christian circles, I think there's it's there's more of a or should be anyways, a, a place where you kind of like check yourself. It's like, hey, that could be true. Like maybe there's something in me that I haven't observed that. Is that way, mm-hmm. and so you, you're prone to like, or, or, ideally speaking, you're prone to be able to question yourself because you know that you're not perfect, and that you might come across in a certain way that you don't mean to come across, and, however, that also can be used against you, and that, you know, you're like, oh yeah, maybe I should have examined myself, and then, and then at some point you find yourself with no leg to stand on at all because you are completely in all bad and horrible. Hmm. And then you're like, no, no, that's not true either. Like I, here's what I do. You start justifying yourself, you know? And that's like, and then that's like, Oh, you feeling, you're feeling defensive. You're like, no, no, I'm not feeling, I just try to tell you, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not all the way that way. Maybe 10% or 50% or (laughs) 30%, you know, it's like, but they, they come at you like, it's like a hundred percent, you know?
0: Well, I think that to live in relationship to the truth, to tell the truth, as we said, leaves you in a constant position of deficit. I think which is the same thing to say as, if you're going to live according to the truth, you have to approach that from a position of humility. Mm -hmm. Which means that I'm humble to the fact that I'm not who I could be. Mm Mm-hmm. But I have some control, some vision of that, some ability to move toward that if I speak truthfully. Mm -hmm. But I have to be humble in that I don't know exactly what it is, and I don't know myself exactly. And that can leave you—I mean, that's a vulnerable position. Humility is a vulnerable position. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it can be vulnerable to those who would like to take advantage of it. Yeah. Like— as you were talking, as you were saying all that, I was reminded of I, w- I was homeschooled up until sixth grade, and in sixth grade, I went to middle school public school for the first time, and that was an experience. <laughs> but I remember those first couple of years, I got called gullible a lot because <clears throat> I was just very trusting. I'd spent you know most of my time with my parents and my siblings up until then, and so like i I had sort of an implicit position of. Humility toward everything mm. and trust toward everything like if somebody told me something I took that for real mm. you know and then you throw that very naive young boy into public middle school <laughs> where like social currency is defined by your ability to manipulate people <laughs> and I was manipulable <laughs> and I had to learn I had to learn to, well, be truthful and be humble, but know when to revoke trust. Hmm. I think that's a huge thing.
1: That's something that is, whether it's in a relationship or friendship or at work, it's like understanding the different boundaries that you have with people. Yeah. and. You know, you we obviously always like kind of err on one side or the other as far as like not extending enough trust and mm-hmm. and extending too much trust. And obviously that's a, something that we're always kinda of, kinda of battling with, but um but there is something that you do have to kind of protect yourself in in a sense. It's like whether somebody's out for a promotion and they're not concerned about, you know, you or anymore and they they were your friend, but it's like they want this job and they're going to make you look bad in order to get the job. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, that's not a friendship. That's kind of like, it's kind of shitty, you know, but, but at the same time, it's like, again, kind of got the idea of like being wise as a serpent and as, as a lamb, you know, it's like, there's something that you, you have to move into the world in a way that there is deception and there is falsity and you need to be aware of that and protect yourself from that. But then also not too much that you, that you don't allow yourself to be in the world and to love and to accept and to forgive and to trust. Mm-hmm. And trust is something that's very vulnerable, but it's necessary. Yeah. You will not have anything in life that is of value if you don't trust and are vulnerable in some regard. <clears throat> hmm. So I think something that's something that speech does for us, it 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 should be a tool to extend to somebody. You know, and and in the most trusting relationship, there's a free flow of conversation and understanding and exploration. And I think that's one thing in our, our culture right now that if you disagree with somebody and I see this on the right and the left, it's like there's a sort of like demonizing and, it, and that's not helpful. It's like, you know, what are you, it's Hillary Clinton calling, you know, the other 50 percent of the people, you know, deplorables, mm. you know. Or you know, even on the right, where it's like you know, libtards or something like that. You yeah. know, it's like there's just there's a lot of name calling kind of going on, and and we have to sort of extend that trust
0: mm. and and be it okay does, with. This it does agreeing. feel like very much like middle school playground <laughs> antics, or even elementary school well, play. It's like we're going to call each other names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Matt and Elizabeth kissed. Ew. <laughs> has you know, got then, cooties. And then eventually <laughs> you grow up a little bit and you're like, actually you weren't what I thought you were. Mm-hmm. You're not <laughs> a poop head or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Politics
1: needs to grow up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, it'd be nice. Like, I mean, just even like for someone to be able to just tell us like, you know, here's the goals I have. You know, here's the criteria by which I want to achieve this. It's like, if you want to, you can challenge those. Mm. You can challenge that. Mm. But it ends up being just a bunch of name calling and right. uh, um, us versus them rather than, you know, it's like, because there's great points well, on both sides of the argument.
0: W- what was the thing you said? Be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a lamb. Innocent, I was going to say sheepish as a lamb. <laughs> <laughs> Lamb is a lamb um, what was it <laughs> uh, uh, innocent yeah wise is a yeah. serpent innocent as a lamb yeah, and it, both are terrible mm-hmm. like you you don't want to be too innocent mm-hmm. but you don't want to be too manipulative, which is what I take wise as a serpent to mean mm-hmm. the serpent as an obvious i think in that as an obvious reference to the serpent in the Adam and Eve story mm hmm He's cunning. Mm -hmm. He's going to manipulate the world to his own desire. Mm -hmm. And you do. I mean, that's what we already said that one of the superpowers of being a human is that you can manipulate the world to your own desire and you should, Mm -hmm. but you should also have some innocence. You should also have some humility Mm -hmm. and know that your own desire is not one. You don't know it. And two, because you don't know it you're going to get it wrong and there's going to be negative effects from that mm-hmm. and also the negative effect of that could be that you could become pathological and start manipulating things in very bad ways mm. um, but it does seem that in that dichotomy or on that spectrum the politicians have gone w- very much toward the serpent side mm-hmm. it's like you know, we have these – it's like I was remembering um, in 2020, I guess, up leading up to that election, there's all kinds of debates that go on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, presidential debates and vice presidential debates and debates between the primary uh, – I was going to say contestants, whatever they are. <laughs> contestants. Yeah. But it's like they don't actually talk about anything. They just – get little digs in yeah on each other. Like you know, Kamala just, Harris
1: calling Biden a racist basically. And yeah. Then, <laughs> then he's the best thing since sliced bread. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Um and I just remember watching all that stuff thinking, this is not at all what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's not even trying to be what it's supposed to be. It's like yeah. it's masquerading as if it's important. And then it's just elementary school playground Antics. You saw Trump do that a lot with the Republican candidates.
1: It was just sort of like, man, they don't stand a chance. Like he would, he just
0: really, he's really good good at being a bully. I mean, it was like, it was, well, and that's kind of, it's the thing about Trump is that just like I said, that it's, it's actually really impressive to watch a a very adept liar. Mm -hmm. It's impressive to watch Trump Mm -hmm. and not necessarily because he is or isn't a liar. He's just a really good person like bully Mm -hmm. like he can orchestrate and get his digs in and they and you're like oh that was a burn sick burn kind of he's like we have this reaction or some people do you know it's like i understand why so many thousands of people will go out to watch him talk Mm -hmm. because it's fucking entertaining (laughs) totally you know well then they also start playing
1: by his rules and then once you do that you're done because that's his that's his playground yeah and it's like you can't yeah, play right you, you can't play there yeah uh-huh. and that's what he does to everybody he entices them into his playground although i have to say the democrats have have played into that really well i mean with, when joe biden was just you know in the whole cliche he was in his basement i mean i think the idea was like just let trump talk and you come out and do your sound bites and then you go back in your basement you know, and I think there was right. something, I, I think you're seeing that right now. with there, There's so much more talk about Trump right now. And I think it's because they don't want Biden. They want <clears> to take <throat> the spotlight off of Biden. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of like, you'd almost like be like, yo, Trump, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you're, you're actually doing more harm than you're doing good here.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think there was a lot of political analysis about that election, the 2020 election that mm-hmm. I, it, it made sense to me mm-hmm. in, in the analysis was like Trump was his own worst enemy. Yeah. Like if he had just shut up, mm-hmm. he might've had a chance mm-hmm. and Biden barely spoke yeah. during that election. And I think he won because of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, totally. that was the, that was the play.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But that annoys me. All of that annoys me. Cause I'm like, we're talking about the most, the, the highest chair essentially in the world, mm-hmm. the most prominent, arguably one of the most power, powerful positions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't want people to win it. Yeah. It, at least not, not win it by those means. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want the winner to be the person who didn't speak. Mm-hmm. I want the winner to be the person who spoke and triumphed because of what he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just really lament the fact that politics has become the serpent.
1: Well, even the ones that I've, I find that are that I find more congruency with their speech and actions, you know, um, specifically, like I think Tulsi Gabbard and Dan Crenshaw were the two that kind of stood out to me in the last election, uh, someone on the left and someone on the right, both get flack from both sides, so... But I feel like there's
0: more congruence. They've both gotten thrown under the bus by their respective parties mm-hmm. recently, which has been really interesting.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> but I think that's maybe a sign that they're doing something right. I think there's a there's <clears throat> a sort of middle ground where sort of center left, center right, uh, libertarian, uh, independent, which is the which is the sort of the middle ground of where most of us stand somewhere in that area. So we're kind of just tired of it, but why isn't there like somebody stepping up that represents us Hmm. like Biden and Kamala Harris do not represent us. Yeah. Trump does not represent us. Like where is, where are those people? Like I think some of them just don't want to play that fucking game. Well, yeah, (laughs) I I wouldn't want to run for president. That is a big problem. It sounds just, it's just so childish, you know, it's like, I'm tired of the childishness and the, the media doesn't do any great jobs Did they just play into it. I think
0: the only people who could possibly want to represent the majority of us, Mm -hmm. the thing that would make them want to not, or or the thing that would make them want to represent the majority of us would be not wanting to play by the rules Mm -hmm. of this political game, which means you're not going to win at the political game. Yeah. So you don't have a shot
1: it's just so crazy. But again, you know, you, when you think about speech and you know, let's just say, I mean, I think we're positing that there's a large group of us that probably represents 60 to 75% of the U.S. I would say that's in the middle. Obviously like, those aren't accurate, <laughs> <laughs> accurate numbers, but you know, there's, there's, I think there's a need for that. Like I, for me, it does, I don't care if you're on this, the left or the right or independent or, um, uh, libertarian in this area it's like there's there's a just sort of a desire for that voice of reason like i I can disagree with you i'm totally fine with that like i remember one of my landlords a uh, fantastic guy he and i disagreed about something and i ended up having to acquiesce to his way of doing it i totally still respect him like mm-hmm. just i think he went about it in a way that was like convincing and that i don't think it was the right thing to do but he did it in such a way that I was like, I still retain my respect for him, you yeah. know? And I, I think that there's something in that that I, I would love to see in every politician. That I can I can disagree with them, but I still respect them. But I don't think that's allowable in our current political climate. Well, because climate.
0: disagreement has been
1: <clears throat> moralized. Well, you see this with, like, AOC. Like, she's... She's talking about, like, you know those who are pro-life and are Democrats should be basically kicked out of the democratic party. Like there's no place for you here. Mm-hmm. So you can agree with Democrats 99% of the thing, but you might not dis- might disagree on the, on the abortion issue. It's like, does that make you not a Democrat? So how many things do you have? To, is it, is it does that 1% that makes you not a Democrat or, is it 30% or -hmm. 50%? Like what's the percentage here? But when you start seeing it come down to just one issue and that you should not be included in the party, it's like, that's kind of shitty. Or even on the other side with Republicans, you know,
0: it's like, what if you, you know, if you are, what if you disagree about (laughs) universal basic income or. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I think that's something that we're trying. We we're wanting too many people to have all the same opinions when we're actually very, widely different in how we see things. But we might agree generally with the conservatives or we might Mm -hmm.
0: generally agree agree with liberals or something like that. The problem with wanting to everyone to have the same opinions is it's not possible. Mm -hmm. Like this is why the individual is such an interesting thing. We're Mm. all individuals, which means that we're all somehow different, Mm. which means that we won't ever agree always about everything. Yeah. And if you require that, that's where things go really, really badly at a societal level. I mean, that's what happened in Soviet Russia. That's what happened in Maoist China. That's what happened in, was it Nicaragua? Um, If you require conformity and agreement, eventually, you'll have to get rid of everyone Mm. until there's just you. It's the same thing as the liar. (laughs) Uh The liar has to get rid of everyone because the more you lie, the less people you can trust to be in on the lie. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Three can keep a secret. if Two
1: are dead. (laughs) 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 Well, there's also the whole thing too of like, um, Oh, shoot. Oh, you know, that that's why, you know, the freedom of speech is so valuable and important. And that's why it's codified as sort of like, is that considered a negative right? Like no one can infringe on your your right for free speech rather than a positive right. Oh, shit. I, I don't want to go with that. I'm, 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 I don't think... Negative and
0: positive rights, I kind of get confused sometimes. I, my understanding... I'm going to get this wrong, but I don't think there are any positive rights. I think, I think the idea of all of the rights in the bill of rights is Uh, mm -hmm. it's limiting the government, not limiting you. Yes. Yeah. That's, I think that's the part, like, you know, because like the, the 10 commandments, for example, Mm -hmm. are thou shalt not Mm -hmm. the bill of rights is a, the government shall not Mm -hmm. infringe on your right. Yeah. Which is why it's hard to say what your rights are, Mm -hmm. because we're not saying what your rights are. We're saying what the government can't do, Mm -hmm. which is why we need the court system and the Supreme Court to adjudicate that when the specifics come up. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, what does this mean? Does this person have this right? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, we don't enumerate the rights. Or is the the government violating
1: Mm -hmm. that? Because the government doesn't have the right to violate that right. Right. Which is so valuable because I mean, just our conversation tonight has been about like how valuable speech is, is like, how do you combat negative or bad speech with good and better speech? Mm-hmm. And if you don't allow that dialogue,
0: then your only alternative mm-hmm. is to silence and thereby dehumanize mm-hmm. those who say the negative, bad things. Yeah. And there's really, that's a close sort of step away from murder and genocide. Hmm. Which is funny because I understand what you're saying, but that sounds very extreme. I think I mean it to be extreme. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, if I'm not going to, if if you're saying bad negative things Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to combat you with good, like with better speech, Mm -hmm. then my options are Mm -hmm. to silence you. And if I can't silence you. Then, restrict you first, maybe. Then to fight you. Mm-hmm. And once we start fighting, it's either you die or I die. True. Yeah. So when <clears throat> when speech and dialogue breaks down, that's when things get really ugly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's the First Amendment. Well, I think even in the way that you said that, I think
1: I, the reason why I kind of wanted you to clarify, I think for us in the United States specifically, we're like, Oh no, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't really conceptualize like, like that is a possibility, but I think you and I've kind of read and like seen how that has actually played out. And it's like, it's like when you live in a country that has, you have the ability to speak your mind and to speak what's on your your thoughts into the public. Um, You know, you don't know it until it's gone. And when it's gone, it's really horrible. Like there's a lot of consequences to that, that, that we can't even comprehend. And I think that's why it's so valuable that we have all of, all of the speech available and out there so that it can be combated and like other people can bring better arguments and it can also, it, kind of punch holes in the things that we thought were true. And I think we saw this a lot with COVID too. There were so many things that we thought were, um, you know, a hundred percent correct. And it's like, well, it's maybe 80% correct, 30% correct, but it's presented as a hundred percent. And it's like, it's like, no, these things need to be challenged because they need to be refined. It's like, if there's an argument about something, it's like, we'll bring the evidence that that's wrong or that it's questionable that that's, Mm -hmm. Uh, wrong. I think it's just really important. It's almost like we kind of infantilize uh, our society in that way and think that, Oh no, they can't handle that. We need to protect them from that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, although I could grab onto an argument that that can be true in some instances or for a period of time, I think generally it's a bad tactic to infantilize and treat people like they're children mm-hmm. and not I agree. allow them to deal with the, the hardships and the complexities that surround these issues. Um, I think that we saw this, I think COVID is such a great example because we did see that, like most people were willing to kind of go along with, uh, you know, the masking and the lockdowns. And but some people were like, wait, what are we doing? How long is this going to last? Is this really worth it? vaccines and it, there was all these questions that came up and it was like most of the answers was that shut up and just do it and like that works maybe for a little while but at some point like people need we need the dialogue and the, t- and the tension around the dialogue that helps us to struggle and kind of you know it's like make up your own mind you know the whole thing on twitter was, was like oh look at all these perf- these doctors now you know it's like mm-hmm. talking about common people it's like no but We have to make up our decision for ourselves and how that's going to affect us specifically, our family, you know, specifically, and then like in those around us. And it's, it's not that we're all going to agree on these things and that's, and sometimes we're just fucking wrong, (laughs) you know, it's like, but we have to kind of allow that some degree of that. Cause if not, then you kind of, you kind of lean into that sort of totalitarian we know what's best with you or best for you and listen. And
0: well, I say we cheers to the gift of speech Mm. and to continuing to speak so long as we're able Mm -hmm. and to continuing to speak. On this podcast, (laughs) so long as we have the energy and the gumption and the desire. And um, thank thank you to whoever is listening to this. And I hope that you speak truthfully, humbly, fearfully what you have to say. Hmm. I hope that you share your hidden thoughts so that you know them, so that you know yourself, and so that the world... Becomes a place better than it is now. I like it. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Love you guys. Love you. Ciao.
1: Bye.